the excitement around data and AI and machine learning, what is that? Machine learning and AI is all about prediction. It's really about developing more sophisticated models that use more data to come up with better and much richer predictions about the future. We need to think about the downside, and we need to think about the upside, and we need to think about all that's gray in between, and that the planning, good planning, really considers all of that. Planning and project management are as old as civilization itself. But these very old skills are undergoing a very rapid change, thanks to how advances in data science enable organizations to effectively manage uncertainty. Professor Yael Grushko-Cocaine is an expert on how new tools in data science, AI, machine learning, and the harnessing of the wisdom of the crowd have revolutionized how people and organizations plan. For those willing to harness uncertainty and flexibility in data-enabled ways, over-budget and past-due could become terms of antiquity. I'm Sean Carr, and welcome to Darden Ideas to Action. Yael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sean. I'm excited to be here. I love listening to the podcast, and I'm finally here. So today we're going to focus on data science, the digital revolution, digitalization, and how businesses can plan and react and execute. But let's start big picture, philosophically. I know you do this in the classroom. I've seen you do it. You know, how do we as humans, human decision makers, how do we deal with uncertainty? Well, first I will start by saying not very well. It's always been around us. It's part of life, right? It's part of not knowing exactly how a day will end or how you will feel or, you know, what the weather will be like. So we grow up in a very uncertain world and humans for forever have faced uncertainty and yet we really struggle with it. This idea that we want to control our environment and yet we are subject to the uncertainty that it imposes is challenging for us, both cognitively and technically. So what do I mean by that? Cognitively, it is hard to process uncertainty. Probabilities are funny numbers that are hard for us to really kind of calculate. And so there are cognitive challenges for us to really think about uncertainty properly. But also technically, you need to do some work. You need quants, you need an analysis, you need data. Traditionally, what have the tools been for managing uncertainty and then being able to make decisions in the context of uncertainty? For organizations that have embraced it, what you would typically see or what traditionally you would find is that maybe there's a unit or a division or a group of individuals that are in charge of forecasting. And so when you make big decisions, strategic or big all-consuming organizational decisions like annual planning, for instance, at some point you would go and visit that forecasting group and get your forecasts and they would have some data and probably sophisticated models and there would be a group of individuals that would understand it very, very well. It would enter into the process at some point and decisions would be made and we would move on. You can't turn on the radio, listen to news, or go online without hearing, reading about AI and big data and all of these implications for parts of the human existence, but particularly in business. So what is changing now? I don't want to trivialize it, and, and I want to make it clear that subjectivity and decisions by humans is always part of the equation. And never simple, again, because we're trading off decisions in light of uncertainty and different realities that we might face. The excitement around data and AI and machine learning, what is that? Machine learning and AI is all about prediction. It's really about developing more sophisticated models that use more data to come up with better and much richer predictions about the future. Can we predict our consumer behavior better? Can we predict success of our candidates better? Can we predict the success of our students better? 
And so that's one change that is across the board. We have more data, we have better computing powers, and we can do more with it. So the idea of uncertainty and the idea of forecasting the future is much more accessible and on top of many more folks' mind. Add that together and combine that with COVID, everybody understands what it means to be uncertain. We, as individuals, even my kids now, have a much better grasp and understanding around the fact that we all face some uncertainty in our future and that we can't necessarily always commit and dictate and control the outcome. And so this acceptance that there is deviation from plans and we need to think about the downside and we need to think about the upside and we need to think about all that's gray in between and that the planning, good planning, really considers all of that. One of your areas of research interest is around wisdom of the crowds. I think a lot of people have heard of that, but what does that mean and what is your particular interest in that area? What folks have discovered over 100 years ago, so this is not a new idea, okay? Galton and others a long time ago have discovered that when you take multiple opinions and you put them together, there are some beautiful things that emerge. And it's quite mathematical and it's quite statistical. That's something I like about it. It's a plus in my mind that there are some beautiful components of the wisdom of the crowd that surely from the math yield better results. And so when we're trying to predict a certain outcome, if we take multiple predictions, we will do better. Maybe you even recall at the beginning of COVID, and I actually throughout the first and second and third wave of COVID, a lot of models were in the newspaper, all kinds of different competing models from different very renowned institutions. And the ones that typically were pretty accurate were just what we call ensembles or averages. You would take all these models, they would have trajectories, some would ha be more pessimistic, some would be more optimistic, but then you would average them and that would be pretty good, okay? That would hit spot on. And so we see use cases of it. And in fact, again, hurricane prediction is a classic example that the cones that you see often in the news or on the web are really averages of many, 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 many models. They are the wisdom of the crowd of many models that give you a better sense for where things are headed. And so when we think about the uncertainty in the future, when we think about prediction, we want to rely on it more, and we are adding more sophistication and using multiple models to form our opinion. All of us, I think, recognize that we are now both generators of an ocean of data, and we are also swimming in an ocean of data. In fact, a wide universe of data that it's hard to even comprehend. How are businesses, how are organizations dealing with that? It's a great question. Small bites and slowly is the answer. I just wrote a case with the biggest bank in Australia, and there it's about changing behavior. How do we offer a conversation to our customer that will be meaningful to that customer? So they identify the next best conversation. And their AI and machine learning and data is all put together for the sole focus of identifying the next best conversation with a specific customer that addresses that customer's need and can help their financial situation. And so that's how they use AI and machine learning. But they had to identify the need in the business case first. If you're a leader of an organization, you have certain tools in your toolkit. But the way you describe it, it doesn't sound like it's a tool in the toolkit. It is actually part of your strategic thinking. It is embedded in that, if you're going to use it effectively. And the examples you gave start to illustrate that. What does it mean to think strategically about the use of these, this changing environment around data and these other tools? It could have the potential to change how a company works and operates. Let's go back to the bank example that I just gave. They realized that everything had to change. 
What do I mean by that? All the data started to be shared across the different channels. So there was no longer such a separation between the branches and the mobile and the call centers. All of the conversations were going to be catered to the specific individual's need and highly customizable to the specific individual. Every single client and customer of the bank needed different things depending on where they were. Some type of insurance or home insurance or home loans or different type of protections. And because they thought about the needs of the customer and put the customer in the center and changed the way they operate, the data and the AI helped them get there. So mm -hmm. the data and the AI was just an enabler of the service and the business that they wanted to be in. Okay. So it is driven by the business perspective, and it really flips the whole way the organization thinks. We've heard a lot about maybe implicit or sometimes even explicit bias embedded in some of these on a range of dimensions as decision makers within companies and organizations. How should we address that challenge? What are maybe some frameworks that you could share to help us think better about that? First, I'll say that the notion of ethical decision-making or ethical AI is not so much the AI, because mm. it's not, the AI doesn't know if it's right. ethical or unethical, right? It's, a, it's, it's code that we write, mm -hmm. and it spits out some analysis based on a set of procedures. Now, we as individuals, as humans, as the decision-makers, as the leaders, and as the ones that have judgment, we affiliate with it a certain ethical component, or we have some kind of moral assessment of it. When you're starting to code things out and you're putting them into the code to automate them, you have to pause and think. Am I taking something for granted? Do I acknowledge the outcomes? Do I look at the outcomes? Do I actually assess it? So companies have to be thoughtful about the fact that it is their responsibility to confirm that the decisions that get made ultimately are made in a way that they feel are ethical, okay? So they need to put in place the testing. They need to put in place the iterations. They need to consistently and constantly track and measure the distribution of the choices, who gets offers, the data coming in. These are all different aspects of the process that affect the outcomes ultimately. Let me switch gears just slightly. I want to talk about another area of interest of yours for a long time is around project management. I'd love to hear what the connection is between the use of data for making predictions and project management. One of the reasons I'm passionate about that field or that I enjoy working in it for, gosh, uh, 15 or, and more years now is that all of us are involved in some way, formally or informally, with managing and planning projects. It's a fascinating area that relates to people at an individual level because they have a project at home that they care about or a personal project like writing a book or filming a movie. But businesses, so many businesses today, their core business is all project-oriented. I mean, you would be challenged to find a business that isn't. And the success and capabilities that we have around project management are fundamental to the success, to the rise and fall of companies. Thousands, millions, trillions of dollars are going to be invested in infrastructure and in construction projects around us, both here locally in the U.S., but also globally. And that's not stopping anytime soon. And our ability to really deliver and understand what the goals that were set, what the tensions are, what the trade-offs are, and how to execute to that is becoming more and more important. And that's what comes to mind immediately for me is infrastructure. It's been in the news quite a bit lately about investments here in the United States, especially but those are the kind of projects, whether they're bridges, tunnels, roads, that you rarely, at least for me, ever hear them saying, yep, done, not just on time, done early and under budget. It seems not to happen. Tell me more about some of your observations about the implications for good project management practice and some of you know, big, big projects like that. First, 
what you hear in the news and what you see around you are mostly the negative um, outcomes. People, it's just not as exciting to report successful project completion. Oh, we finished this project on time and on budget. Mm, boring. Uh, so we don't tend to report on it or learn about it as much. You asked, how does this link to machine learning and AI? Yeah. What's the connection between all of this seeming you know, world of data science that we spoke of and project management? So first, I am very excited because I think that more and more companies are recognizing that in order to get the benefits from AI and machine learning, they need to actually execute a project. They need to understand what are the steps and how are they going to implement the change and how are they going to execute on it. And they are called to action from a project management perspective. A dear friend of mine, an alum from Darden, he runs a large construction company. He has a deep appreciation for project management. He will ask his project managers, where is the critical path? He understands what that means technically. Okay, this is a CEO, this is a founder, this is the owner of the business. He's not gonna sit there and maybe plan everything to perfection and sit with the Gantt chart on a daily basis, but he knows enough about project management to ask the questions that are strategically fundamental to the success of his business. And that is his responsibility, and he appreciates that. And so for me, he's a role model for how most managers should think. If they delegate this to somebody else, they won't even know the questions to help gain insight or to even plan a more strategic set of initiatives that they have to be thoughtful about. You are really good at explaining this. Thank you. Yael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Darn Ideas to Action. Thank you for having me, Sean. I'm Sean Carr, and that's it for today's episode of Darden Ideas to Action. Yael Grushka-Cocaine is a professor at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. Her research interests focus on data science, forecasting, project management, and behavioral decision-making. She is the leader of Darden Executive Education and Lifelong Learning Open Enrollment Courses, Project Management for Executives, and the Women's Leadership Program. Join us next time for more research, analysis, and commentary from the University of Virginia, Darden School of Business. You can subscribe to Ideas to Action on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. To read more expert insights on this topic and more, visit ideas.darden.virginia.edu. And on a personal note, this will be my final episode as your host. It's been a thrill to take part in these conversations for two years. To the podcast production team and the entire Darden family, thank you for the opportunity to help bring incredible ideas to action.